Welcome to Tales from the Museverse. We're glad to have you here. My name is Ian. In the realm of dragons, Tama and her mom, Dorothy, are traveling with Fred, the chocolate lab, to find Tama's sister, Phoebe, and dad, Michael. Will the family be reunited? Stay tuned to find out. And as always, stay tuned after the story for a way you can join in. So now, here's today's Tale from the Mooseverse. A long time ago. A long-loved burrow sat empty. Messy from the cleanup, the ground, which was already well-packed soil, somehow seemed dirtier and dustier than usual. Outside, active town life provided its usual background, a low hum of movement with occasional yelling to break the monotony. Michael and Dorothy came back inside for a last look around. Is that it? Michael asked. Is that everything? Yeah, I think so. Dorothy sighed to indicate a job well done. They stood quietly, taking it all in. The times we've had here, Dorothy said, lost in thought. Yeah, kind of crazy. We're doing the right thing, though, right? I hope so, Dorothy replied. More space will be great for the girls, and I won't miss this noise. Neither will I, Michael agreed. He put his arm around Dorothy's shoulder as they turned to face their front window. But nothing will beat this view. They looked through the sunlight that shone in and stepped forward. From their window, a piece of glass which they shared with the apartments above and below them for four stories, as well as some apartments on the left and right, they looked down at the streets below, a whole bustling town of apartment buildings carved out of the earth. Hundreds of people the size of Michael and Dorothy, just inches tall, made their way through their day, going from homes to workplaces, stores, and even playgrounds. This underground town, which they called Little Digcot, though no one knew why, was unlike anything you've ever seen. The sunlight which shone above was bright, but it did not come straight down from the sky. Instead, it came almost horizontally from a mirror on one side of the town, shining across the tops of the high-rise buildings, underneath the hard earth ceiling above. The mirror reflecting the sunlight sat under a storm drain leading to the larger world above. So how much sun they got depended on how many leaves were blocking the storm drain that day, which made fall a particularly dark time of year for them. But now it was July. The giants in the larger world above had recently cleaned out the drain, and in the same week the underground town's parliament had found a new mirror to replace the dirty old cracked one, and now suddenly the sunlight was blinding, shining directly into Michael and Dorothy's apartment and into their faces, which they needed to shield with their hands. Yeah, well, good timing, I guess, Dorothy said, as they both winced. You sure about this? Michael asked. There's no turning back. Everyone wants to live in Little Digcot. Why wouldn't I be sure? We've always been poor, and probably always will be. We have the worst apartment here, and we can't do anything about it. In North Cambridge, we'll be able to dig out so much more space whenever we want it. It'll be much better for Phoebe and Tamar. Fred can easily live in the nature reserve close by, but I'm glad he's taking us on vacation first. I need a break. She looked at Michael, who averted his eyes as if feeling bad about something. Besides, if we ever want to come back, you know they're just going to keep expanding. Pretty soon they'll have to rename it Big Dig Cut. 
Dorothy and Michael left their home and their town with tears in their eyes as they said a final goodbye to friends and neighbours, and everyone assured everyone else that they'd still see each other often. They followed the steep tunnel up to the larger world above, climbing out into the undergrowth of some bushes, and saw Fred, the dark Labrador retriever, close by. Ready? Fred said as he saw them. Dorothy climbed up his front leg onto his back, and reaching into the carry case slung over Fred's side, she squeezed her sleeping baby daughter, Tamar, and Phoebe, her older sister, who sat up with excitement. Mommy! Phoebe exclaimed, before looking down at Michael, who stood on the ground at Fred's side. Daddy! Fred tried telling a story about decaped cod, and Tamar fell asleep, but I couldn't sleep because he tells him too scary. Tell me a story about decaped cod, Daddy. Ah, uh, he'll have plenty of time on our way to Cape Cod, kid, Fred retorted. Besides, too scary? Things are scary sometimes, kid. Get used to it. It's just reality. Dorothy laughed. A superhero cod whose catchphrase is fighting crime from the Sagamore to P-Town? How is that reality? Yeah, well, who knows what's reality anymore? After all, dogs like me and people like you shouldn't be able to talk to each other, but somehow that's reality too. Dorothy looked down at Michael, who looked distracted. Michael, she said finally, what's going on? Why aren't you coming up? Dorothy, he started, I've been meaning to tell you. I can't come to Cape Cod with you. At least not today. I'll join you soon. What? Dorothy shouted in surprise. I just need a couple of days. I can find the treasure, and I can find out the history of our people. Wait, are you saying what I think you're saying? Dorothy snapped. Michael took a deep breath and nodded. I promise I'll only be a few days, but yeah, I need to go back to the realm of dragons. Eleven years, two months, and eighteen days later. Now. We should have stuck with that dragon, Tamar complained to her mom and to Fred, the chocolate lab, as the three walked along a mountain path with tall grass on either side of them. It's scary Stanley, Dorothy replied. That would have been hard to do, remember? He flew away to gather the other dragons to fix magic. I know, but I mean, we should have waited for him. He said when magic was fixed that he could take us to Dad. No need, Fred chimed in confidently. I know he's this way. How can you be so sure? Tamar challenged. Dorothy, meanwhile, seemed content with trusting her old friend. Well, Fred began, before pausing as if to question it himself. Uh, instinct, I guess. A shadow passed quickly overhead, causing Tamar and Dorothy to tense up. Back home, this meant a bird of prey, so their instincts kicked in and they ducked under Fred's body. Oh, that's nothing to worry about, Fred assured them. The shadow circled around, and then the shape suddenly changed as the creature the shadow belonged to closed its wings. This smaller, ball-shaped shadow quickly grew larger and larger just a few feet in front of Fred. Larger and larger. Larger and larger until a black bird with a colourful beak came crashing down to the ground in a pile of body parts and feathers. Dirt flew up in a small cloud, and when it cleared, the bird was standing facing them. Ugh, that landing thing hurts so much, the bird said. How nice to see you on the ground, Toucan, said Fred with a hint of animosity. Isn't that good? the bird replied excitedly. I just learned it. Pretty great, right? Painful, though. Anyway, I'm Mr. Toucan now. Who are these two? he indicated wasting no time. These two are under my protection, Toucan, Fred replied. 
Oh, hush up with your under my protection thing, Fred. I just wanted to tell you there are two others like them back over that way, he indicated behind him. Just thought you might want to know, that's all. Tamar and Dorothy jumped out from under Fred. Two others? They asked, almost in unison. Yep. You want to show you where they are? Dorothy smiled with satisfaction and relief, and nodded her head. Yes, we would like that very much. So the group travelled together, with Dorothy and Tamar on Fred's chocolatey back, and Mr. Toucan flying above, circling around occasionally to avoid getting too far in front of them. Tamar occasionally tried to ask questions of the bird above, like, Do you know their names? Or what do they look like? But Mr. Toucan never responded. Tamar wasn't sure how to take that, whether the bird just couldn't hear her, or just didn't care. Mr. Toucan led them down a hill towards a stream, then over some rocks. Be careful not to touch the water, he warned, to which Fred replied sternly, Yes, yes, I know, I've lived here longer than you, you know. Tamar tried to ask how long Fred and Toucan had known each other, but Fred just grumbled in reply, and Tamar knew she wouldn't get a response from Toucan. Eventually, it sounded like Fred just said, Too long. Dorothy laughed gently at the whole thing, like she was seeing a side of Fred she hadn't seen in a while. Some time passed as they hiked. As usual in this strange land, they couldn't tell if it was five minutes or fifteen hours, but eventually the path they were on, now shaded by tall coconut trees, brought them to a small cave. This is it, Mr. Toucan shouted with a mixture of excitement and trepidation as he came barreling to the ground, head tucked under his folded up wings for protection. Fred jumped out of the way as Mr. Toucan crashed to the ground. Over moans and cries of agony from the bird, a voice from inside the cave spoke. Toucan? it asked. Tamar almost cried with excitement and relief. It was her sister. Phoebe? Tamar cried and ran towards the cave. Sure enough, her sister was there, holding onto the entranceway with one hand as she stepped out to see the commotion. They locked eyes and both teared up. They hugged and spoke over each other, both saying how much they missed each other and had been wanting to find each other ever since coming to this place. Dorothy came running over and hugged them both, but she was also looking past them to find the other person Mr. Toucan had mentioned. Then she heard a voice speaking from further in the cave, a voice she hadn't heard for years. It sounded so familiar, and yet different. It sounds like others have just arrived too, the voice said. Maybe together, it said, maybe together we can get you back. Dorothy stepped further into the cave. It was dark, but she could see light ahead. And close to the light was the person she had missed for so many years. He had his back turned and was looking towards the light, but she knew from his shape that it was him, Michael. He turned to face her. He looked almost exactly the same as the last time she'd seen him, eleven years ago. It felt like a lifetime. Tamar and Phoebe were babies at the time, after all, but he hadn't aged a bit. He was dirtier and clearly exhausted, but he looked the same. Over the last eleven years, she and the girls grew older, but he didn't. Michael's eyes widened, and Dorothy's heart skipped a beat. Dorothy, he said, you found me. He came running towards her, pulling her in close for a hug. They held each other tight, and she kept her eyes closed, trying to ignore how he'd looked, and just enjoying his smell, and the feel of his hair in her hands. When she opened her eyes, though, she saw past him to the source of the light. It was fading as it shrunk in size. Wait, Phoebe shouted, running back in. The great Gonzalo! There are rocks, there's soil, there are people. This is my mother. The source of the light stopped shrinking and stayed steady. Dorothy looked more closely at it now and saw that it was another tear in reality, floating in the air. 
and on the other side was a huge blue dragon, imprisoned in a cell of some kind. The dragon looked exhausted, like it just wanted to sleep, but its eyes opened when it heard Phoebe mention her mother. It opened its mouth to speak. Help me, it said softly and slowly, as if that was all it could muster. What's going on? Dorothy asked Michael matter-of-factly. Nothing was making sense to her, but there was urgency from this grand creature. Everything else could wait. While Phoebe kept describing her surroundings to the dragon on the other side, Michael replied with the same sense of urgency. We need to go through and get him out of there. I've been here for the last few weeks by myself, but then Phoebe came along. He seemed to get distracted by his last few words. Dorothy, how is this Phoebe? How is that Tamar? I've only been gone for 17 days. Seventeen days, she answered with sadness for the time they had lost. Michael, it's been more than eleven years. Michael felt dizzy with shock. His legs wobbled and he held onto the wall. Eleven, he asked and fell backwards to sit on the ground. It's okay, we're all together again now, Dorothy said with tears in her eyes before turning to the business at hand. Now, how do we get that dragon out? She looked at Michael, who seemed lost in thought, even as he stared at Dorothy from where he sat on the cave floor. Um, what, what? was all he could manage. Phoebe jumped in. That dragon in there is the great Gonzalo. He's in another dimension, another reality, and he's the only thing keeping this portal open. Dad, that still feels strange to say, went through to try and rescue him, but the portal started to close before he could get him out. The great Gonzalo needs to focus on this world to keep the portal open. So Dad came back through and keeps him attached to this world, anchored to this world, by describing this world to keep him focused. If we stop doing that, he starts fading. When I arrived, it was the first time Dad had anyone else to help, but he didn't want me to go through. I couldn't lose her again so soon after... Michael interjected, before losing his voice as he still grappled with the truth of how much time he'd lost with his family. So we waited for someone else. Toucan flew through, but he couldn't get the great Gonzalo out. Seems like magic is holding him there. The large blue dragon reared its head, with exhaustion filling every fiber of its being. It opened its mouth to speak, and as it drew breath, everyone on the other side of the portal focused to listen. The dragon spoke with all the breath it could muster. Get the moose. To be continued. If you enjoyed what you just heard, check out our website, mooseverse.com, for information about our online writing and story growing workshops for 8 to 14 year olds, as well as downloadable coloring pages and Tales from the Mooseverse merchandise like t shirts and notebooks. You can also join our Patreon team to support the production costs of the podcast. Visit our Support Us page to find out more. As always, we'd love to read your stories. Why don't you make up a story about the town of Little Digcot that Michael and Dorothy lived in at the beginning of this episode? What was life like there? Or tell us a story about an adventure they got up to with Fred, the normal Labrador Retriever, before he became chocolate. Or tell us a story about other Mooseverse characters, or any others you think would fit in the Mooseverse. Send your story to hello at mooseverse.com. We'll include some on our website, mooseverse.com, and we may even include a snippet on future episodes of the podcast. 
After all, the stories we tell and the stories you tell are all part of the Moosiverse. Thanks for listening. See you next time.